Yes Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. This is Chris Fetters of dogman.com and I'm here with our recruiting editor, Scott Eklund. It is Friday morning and man alive. It just doesn't stop my friend. It, uh, we've been getting, you know, messages on the message board. Hey, when are you guys going to do a recruiting podcast? God, it's time. You got to do this, do that. So much has changed. It's amazing how two weeks will change the entire tenor of a, of, a, of a community, of a college football community when it comes to recruiting, Scott. Absolutely. Wa- yep. The Washington Huskies went from one commit in Packy Finau to now they have a dozen. And yep. you told you laid this all out. You told everyone how it was going to be, but yet they had to see it. Apparently, this is we're, we're living in a trust but verify world right now. So here's your verification, guys. Washington now has 12 verbal commits, and we're recording this right after Washington picked up their 12th verbal commit, and it's uh, it's a good one. It's it's one from an area that we don't normally see Washington go out and try to mine, uh, and that is uh, Ohio. And so let's talk a little bit about Dominic Kirks from Cleveland, Ohio. What should Washington expect to see when Dominic Kirk's hit the scene uh, a year from now? Well, a year from now. So he's actually, I'm pretty sure he's actually enrolling in January. So that's good news for Husky fans because he'll be at Washington. Okay. Six months from now. (laughs) Yeah. Six months from now. But um, you know, he's, he's a guy who's um, got that, that positional versatility that I keep talking about in a lot of these write-ups that I'm doing on these kids you know, Washington likes their guys to be versatile and be able to play multiple positions. Obviously, when you only have 85 scholarships, uh, the the more positions that guys can play, the better off you are. And so for Dominic Kirks, he is being exclusively recruited as a strong side defensive uh, edge uh, kind of a player. Um, and he's a guy who can hold up against the run because he's got that big body six, five, 260 pounds, um, can run, can do a lot of different things. But what, what he brings to this, the table is a lot what, uh, Anthony James did last year at this time. And that's a guy who has the frame to get bigger and to possibly move in and be a guy who puts his hand in the ground in a, in an odd front as a defensive end, or maybe even as a, uh, three tech or a four I in a, in a, um, uh, even front. So, you know, he can do a lot of different things for you. You watch him. He's got long arms. He can get after the quarterback. He's got a nose for the football. And honestly, I'm, I'm absolutely surprised schools, more power five schools. Now there was a lot of power five schools that did offer him, but I'm surprised more power five schools didn't come after him. Ohio state did not offer Michigan did not offer. Um, Wisconsin was Wisconsin and Pitt were probably Washington's biggest competitors for uh, Dominic Kirks. And I and I think Washington did a really good job of just getting to know him, taking their time, getting him to interested in the University of Washington before they even offered. Then they made the offer. He comes out in the spring, loves it, comes back and basically had his mind made up before he visited Washington. The the official visit basically sealed the deal for him with the University of Washington. So getting a guy out of Ohio, Chris, you mentioned it at the at the outset. Washington, I, I you know, I've been covering the team for about 20 years and I'm trying to remember the last Ohio guy that Washington has gotten to commit and sign with them. So this is not a place that Washington is mined very much, but I think you're going to see more and more of that because of the the relationships the this coaching staff has in the Midwest with uh, Jamarcus Shepard, with Nick Sheridan, with Eric Schmidt, and uh, Courtney Morgan even being – he's more of a Southern Cal guy, but he's got relationships with guys all up and down the Midwest because of his time at Michigan. 
Yeah, so just a few things on Kirks from my point of view. When you mentioned strong side defensive end or edge, we're, we're talking about the position that basically Jeremiah Martin played in 2022. So really, when you, you talked about Anthony James, too, you're you're starting to see kind of the, the way they want to set up those pieces along the front because Kirks is a guy that you mentioned. He can play anywhere from all the way out on the edge, but in those passing situations, in those true passing situations, he can move inside because as we saw last year, they like to sometimes put all their edges in there and then have someone in the nose like a Voy Tanufi or something like that, where it's literally just pure speed. And so this guy is going to give you an interesting combination of size and speed um, in terms of coming off the edge. But he definitely is going to be one of those guys that's primary responsibility is going to be to try to hold the edge. Other thing is the stargazers are going to be happy. He's a four star kid. So we can we can dispense with all of that. Then the other thing that I thought was interesting, too, is that sometimes when you look at those Ohio kids, you want to know if Ohio State offered. They hadn't. But what I think is interesting, especially when you look along that front, and even though he's going to be an edge and he's coached by Eric Schmidt, the two other uh, schools that he took visits to were Wisconsin and Pitt. Well, who also coached at Wisconsin and Pitt? And OK, Brechterfield. So there's a really interesting kind of through line here with Dominic Kirks in terms of we may see him not so much gravitate more towards the defensive line, but if he does just naturally get bigger, faster, stronger, because it's probably going to be legitimately a couple of years until he really starts to make a contribution at Washington. If he now all of a sudden ends up at 6'5", 300, well, now we know who's going to be his position coach. So I think there's a lot of interesting ideas in play here with a guy like Dominique Kirks. And uh, again, as you mentioned, you know, mining Ohio, so rare, just such an unusual deal uh, right there. But the bottom line is that's the 12th guy they just got. Um, I think we can we can spill the tea now or the coffee, so to speak. He was the he was the number one guy on the yep. list of the of the cups of coffee that were brewing. Correct. Yes, he was. He was the guy who um, committed to Washington on his official visit. And then uh, we were made aware that it was probably going to be announced in the next day or so. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, December 30th. or I'm sorry, uh, June 30th is going to (laughs) be. And so we were like, oh, okay, well, you know, (laughs) but that happens um, all the time. It does. It does. It you know, he, all the time. part of and, it was he just wanted to go home and spend some time with his family and 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 uh, just I mean, he was he and his family were completely sold on Washington, but he just wanted to go home and spend time with his family and make sure everything was was where they wanted it to be. And and he said uh, he told me via text that, uh, you know, he just kind of thought about it and thought about it. And he was like, it was absolutely the right decision for me. And um, so I'm ready to announce now. So, yeah. Nope, makes total sense, total sense. The other thing I wanted to talk about real quick before we start running down the commitments, you know, Washington, at least what we saw last year, their hit rate on their biggest visits, those last two weekends in June that we're talking about right now, literally, um, the hit rate was strong, well over 50%. They're over 50% for the hit rate for these last two visits too. As we mentioned, the last 10 days, they've had 21 guys visit, including Packy Finau, who had already been committed. So if we take him out, that's 20 visits. They have 11 commits out of that group. Yep. I can even do the math. I can even do the math on that one, my friend. Yeah, you were an English major. I was a journalism major, and we can do that math. Yeah, so that's over 50%. (laughs) That's pretty strong, and they're not done. So we're we're still talking about guys that are out there that are still looking at decisions where Washington's going to be a huge player, um, if not maybe even silently committed. Yeah, Maybe. there's there's one more. There's one more that we're waiting on. Um, one more cup that uh, was brewing from that from that big group that I had. Yep. So. And so we'll we'll just start running on the list here, uh, and I'll try to go as chronologically as I can remember, because these things did kind of come uh, thick and fast uh, mm-hmm. about you know in the last week especially. But I think it really all started out with Mr. Jason Robinson, who I think it's fair to say that he has kind of become the ringleader of this class. It seems like every class has a ringleader. Like it, yeah. you know, Nate Kaleppo back in the day was a guy that was a big ring ringleader for a class. Um, Jason Robinson is this guy that as soon as he made his decision, man, he was all over social networks going nuts about Washington. He just posted his uh, announcement 
where he yeah. admitted during one of the team dinners uh, during his official visit, which I thought was amazing. You don't usually get a glimpse into the inner workings of how those official visits work from a uh, player perspective. You certainly would never get it from a school perspective because they, you know, for, they can't. for obvious yeah. reasons, they can't. Yeah. Uh, but from the player perspective, to see something like that, you're going to see it more and more because players have more and more of an active role in telling their own stories on social networks. But Jason Robinson, another four-star player from a massive team down in Long Beach, Long Beach Poly. That's a that's a powerhouse program down there. Um, what can you tell us about Jason Robinson, Scott? Well, he's about 5'11", 170, 580 pounds. He, he's, not, he's listed at 5'10", 160, but he told me he weighed in at about 172, 173 on his visit to the University of Washington. 5'11", um, explosive player, will play out of the slot for the University of Washington. He came up to Washington. He was really feeling the Huskies um on his before he even came up and he he told me and he told Greg Biggins that I just knew once I got off the plane that Washington was where I wanted to be and and so he made the commitment on Saturday night and then um announced it um what what, what was that a couple of days later or whatever it was yeah. but um you know I, like you said Chris <laughs> lost track after a while but uh just um a dynamic playmaker that they're going to use in a lot of different ways. He was talking about, they've talked about moving him in motion, putting him in the backfield, maybe taking him out of the backfield uh, in motion and getting matchups against linebackers and safeties where he's going to just have an absolute athletic uh, athleticism deficit over the guy that's going to be covering him at that point in time. So um, a guy to watch uh, big time, Greg Biggins said he was the best route runner in high school that he has seen this year. Um, I, I've I watched some of his film and yes he is a, he is a a more polished uh, route runner than most high school guys but he still needs a lot of work on his technique and things like that and he'll get that once he gets to the University of Washington so um, Jamarcus uh, Shepard is really really good at teaching his guys technique and how to set things up and and how to wrong foot defensive backs and all those different things and that's what he's going to be teaching Jason Robinson and I think give him. Give him two years. Give him, you know, he'll probably play a little bit in 2024 as a true freshman, but 2025 is when I think you'll really see him start to take off. Yeah, and and watching the video of when Jason Robinson made his decision at that dinner, um, Jamarcus Shepard was right there, and to say that Jamarcus Shepard was happy with his decision uh, would be underselling it by quite well, a bit. Chris, that's he, a normal Tuesday for him, though. Yeah, he that, was delirious. He was that delirious. Ex- that excitement you, I, level, though. I mean, that's he's that guy every day. Yeah. Well, he took it up. He took he it up excited. to eleven. Yeah, he was excited. To, to, use, to use the famous Spinal Tap reference, he he, he went to eleven on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, he needed that little extra boost, right? Yeah. Um, he, and and Jamarcus Shepard didn't have to wait long either after that because. Uh, they got another receiver commit uh, shortly after that uh, in Justice Williams from another powerhouse program in Southern Cal talking about Oaks Christian, you know, a place where like Zach Charbonnet and, you know, there are tons of guys have come from that program over the years, tons of quarterbacks. Well, isn't and, that where uh, um, Thibodeau? Yep. Thibodeau came Avon out of there Thibodeau. too. Yeah. Yep. He was so, the number one, number five, top five player in the country. The yeah, and so out. now when we look at, at Jason Robinson and we're thinking he's a, you know, maybe a Giles Jackson, John Ross, Jadon Mickens type of slot guy who can also beat players, you know, beat defenders all over the field. Justice Williams is a totally different guy, at least physically. We're talking yes. about a kid that's 6'4", 195, um, you know, clearly, you know, should be able to get after some 50-50s things like that. What have you seen out of Justice Williams? Well, he he high points the ball really well. He he does exactly what you would think that a uh 6'4, 6'5 wide receiver would do. He outmuscles guys for the ball. He can go up and get it in a crowd. Very strong hands. But what really surprised me when I watched his highlight film, he isn't a blazer, but because he's a long strider, he just runs away from guys without looking like he's running very fast. And you watch him and he doesn't get up to top speed as fast as someone like Jason Robinson does. But once he gets that full speed, I mean, he's running away from guys. And we're not talking about some schlubs that he's playing. He's playing against guys who are going to be playing college football next year, Um, you know, either next year or, you know, year year or two down the line. So he's got really good speed. 
Um, he's on a team that, Chris, you talk about it being a powerhouse program. It is. It always has a lot of talent at it. But this last year, they were, I want to say, six and four or six and five, something like that. They had kind of a down year. So I'm looking for them to bounce back. And he's going to be a big reason why that offense is going to be ba- be able to ba- bounce back from uh, Oaks Christian. Yeah. No, no question. It's it's always good to get guys from that from that level of competition because you know they're playing tough opponents week in and week out. You know he's mm-hmm. going to be tested. Yeah. And so I, I expect that kind of a player to make a big jump, um, perhaps in the ratings and rankings once the season starts, those types of things. And, w- and we'll talk a little bit about that later on because I think there's a couple of other candidates who could certainly fit that mold as well. Um, but the next guy that committed the following day, um, I think on the 25th of June, is uh, Nick Sheridan's guy. The guy that uh, you know looks like basically if you look from the outside in, this is a guy that Nick Sheridan had targeted from the jump. Early offer, attention, coming in for unofficial visits, just came in for his official visit uh, during the during the last big weekend in June, and that's Decker DeGraff from Glendora. What what do you think Nick Sheridan saw in a guy like Decker DeGraff? I, I think he sees a guy who's kind of that, you know, I hate to be cliche, but that lunch pail guy, a guy who is happy to go in and do the dirty work, uh, can can block, um, is a pretty good wide receiver, uh, can do some things where you split him out and, and things like that. Honestly, I, I think he's he, he doesn't quite have the uh, athleticism that Kate Otten has, but he's that same mold of a player. He does a lot of the same things that Kate Otten did. Um, I don't know if he's going to be quite the threat that Kate Otten was in the passing game, but he, he's not far off. Uh, 6'4", 230 pounds, can block on the edge. Still needs a little bit of work there because they split him out a lot at Glendora. But he's a guy that I, I really, really like and, and have felt that uh, could be a really nice um, piece for Washington in that in that tight end room. You know, you've got uh, – um, Jack Westover and Devin Culp are going to graduate this year. And so after this year, because I think uh, doesn't Quentin Moore have one more year? I thought he did. Yeah. So he has after this year, he has one more year. So I think if Quentin Moore decides to return, Quentin Moore will be kind of the bell cow in that room. But then you'll have Josh Cuevas. You'll have uh, Ryan Otten. Uh, Kate Otten's younger brother, and then you'll have Decker DeGraff in there in 2024, and and um, you know you could even see them go out, decide to go out and get another uh, tight end in the in the portal like they did with Josh Cuevas, or there is the possibility they could get a guy to flip, and and we'll talk about that as we go along. But you know Washington got DeGraff, they they targeted him very early. Nick Sheridan um, really, you know, a lot of people were wondering if he could how how well he could recruit and things like that. Well, this is a kid who had offers from a lot of schools and Washington made a great early impression on him. And I think uh, the only thing that they need to worry about, and um, Chris, I don't have his profile pulled up. Does he have if you get get a second and you can pull up his profile? Does he have a USC offer? I don't think he does. But um, I could be wrong on that. The schools that had offered him, according to 24-7 Sports, obviously Washington. Arkansas and Michigan State and Utah are the other schools that he took yeah. official visits to. And then he also had offers from Arizona, Arizona State, Boston College, California, Hawaii, Houston, Miami, Nevada, Oregon State, San Diego State, UNLV, and Washington State. Okay. So it, the only thing, team that Washington really needs to worry about is if USC decides to come in on in late. And I don't see that happening because – they got, I believe they already have a tight end in their class, or they've they've targeted some guys that they really like a lot more. But um, he's from that area, and I think both of his parents went to USC, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But um, beating out Utah for a for a tight end right now, I think is it should tell you that Washington really really uh, recruited this kid well and did a really good job. Nick Sheridan is finally starting to see the fruits of his efforts come to come to pass. And, and I think you could see another one down the road if he continues to uh, recruit this kid. So uh, like I said, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but Decker DeGraff, great pickup for Washington. Yeah. And just so the listeners understand why USC does have a couple tight end commits already and a kid named Walter Matthews from Georgia and a kid named Joey Olson from Lake Ridge and Lake Oswego. So that's interesting yep. too. And, and they're listed as tight ends, whether or not Lincoln Riley has them, you know, penciled Actually, in as tight ends tight or end, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, but they're listed as tight ends, so I'm going to assume that's what they're looking at right now. They're, you know, Joy Olson six five two twenty. This Walter Matthews from Georgia six seven two forty five. 
he sounds like the Washington kid from Vegas that played for Georgia. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. it's going to be interesting. But yeah, if, if they've if they've got those guys penciled in at tight end, I it, it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't seem like USC would be going for another. I don't think I don't think you need to worry about it, but it's just something to keep in the back of your head if they decide to come on him late. I don't see it happening, but right. if it if they do, that's something that could you know just like Kirk's. If Ohio State decides to come in, that's a concern as well. I don't think either of those schools is going to come in on those guys, though. Right. Makes sense. So then the next day, the 26th, is when we really start. We really started to see some 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 commits tumble in. And that was the day where they got five verbal commits. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that that very specific and special day here when we come back after a quick break. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. And we're back. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman Radio, Dogman.com, with our recruiting editor, Scott Eklund. And we are talking about the day that Washington got five verbal commitments. And as far as I could tell, that's the biggest single-day haul that they got since that 2000, what was it, 2013 uh, the St. Tosh's Day. It was 11, 11 years ago, actually. It was 2012. Yeah, or 2012, excuse me. Because right. it came but, up on my memory at, on uh, Facebook. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was, it was during the, it was the Friday of the Rising Stars camp. Yep. When they got all those different guys to commit. And, and they committed and, at uh, um, the, where, the, ramp. the ramp. Yep. Yeah, at the ramp. And as it turned out, only two guys ever actually did anything out of that group. And that was uh, Elijah Qualls and LeVon Coleman and Troy Williams to a certain extent, but then Troy transferred out. So, yeah. And uh, I guess there's still some debate whether or not Troy was still technically a part of that group. Yeah. He had already committed. Yeah. Stringfellow would have been the guy. Yes. Had had. I mean, I remember him as a freshman just going, oh, my gosh, they have that that he was Reggie 2.0. He was Reggie Williams. Stringfellow was a special. Yeah. athlete who eventually transferred over to, to Ole Miss. Ole Miss, yeah. yeah. And didn't really do much. I mean, he but, did a little bit there, but but didn't I I thought that guy was an NFL caliber uh wide receiver big time and just never did anything. Yeah, but it's amazing how you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same and 13 year or 11 years yeah. later, we're talking about another day yep. where they've got more than five or at least five verbal commitments. And it started actually in an interesting spot. It started down in the uh, suburbs of Houston in Cypress, Texas, with a defensive lineman by the name of Omar Khan. Tell yep. people about Omar Khan, Scott. Yeah, just a, he's a different kind of kid, man. You, you, you talk to him. He's not that big, boisterous guy. He just goes about his, his work, keeps things really close to the vest, everything like that. Um, Washington, he, he, took, he had a visit scheduled to Cal. And um, I remember him telling me, he's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to visit anybody else. I really like Cal and, and things like that. And and that was back right after his um, unofficial visit to Washington for the I believe he came up for the spring preview, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. He did come up in the spring whenever it was. Anyway, he goes home, talks about it with his mom and she enjoyed the visit to Washington as well. Decides that, uh, you know, Cal is probably where he's going to be, doesn't schedule any visits. And then all of a sudden. We get, uh, you know, we, we, I get a text from him saying, Hey, I just set up my visit to the University of Washington. And, um, he took his visit. He, so he'd taken a visit to Arizona. Then he took a week off. Then he took a visit to Cal. And everybody, a lot of us thought he was headed there. But then all of a sudden he texts me, um, like a week or maybe, yeah, it was, it was like a week and a half before his visit to Washington. And he said, Hey, I've set up my visit to UW. And that's when I went on the board and announced it and everything like that. And, um, I was like, man, them getting that last visit, I think that could be key. And it really was. It really ended up paying dividends for them. He's a guy, again, who has position versatility because he's six, almost 6'3", 270 pounds, 280 pounds. Actually, I think he's about 285 now. I need to get a hold of him because they, they do the height and weight on the visit. Uh, I think he, I had heard that he was about 280, 285 now. But if he's in that range, I think he could get up to 300 pretty easily. And he could end up being a three-tech, a four-eye, or – um, you know, a nose in Washington's scheme, depending on how they want to use them. And, and uh, you know, he can do a lot of different things. He he doesn't – he he's a really good pass rusher for an interior guy, but he's not going to be that dynamic guy 
Um, honestly, I see a lot of great gains in him, Chris. I see a guy who can stop the run, who can hold the point of attack, uh, has really good lower body strength. Uh, as good as Greg uh, Gaines was, he didn't have that elite athleticism. He just was strong, and he had that motor that just kept going. Khan has all those things, plus he has a little bit more athleticism. So I think you might see a little bit more of a pass rush out of him than we saw out of Greg Gaines. But he's got a lot of that same – a lot of the same skill set that Greg Gaines did coming out of high school. Yeah, there's no doubt if you watch his film, you can tell how strong he is, mostly playing three technique. Um, he he really does hold up well at the point of attack and uh, and can double – you know, he can take a couple different guys and just uh, free up some of the guys around him for one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So there's yep. there's no doubt he can do a lot of that. And and really he is kind of the first interior guy that they've that they've gotten a commitment out of in terms of he's not one of those specialized guys who can play inside outside like a Dominic Kirks for instance. Um so it it's there's no doubt that he he will fit a very specific need inside and I think Gaines is a good comp. I think um to be honest I, I mean he there is some Tuatele in in his game to me, just just in terms of him hold the way he holds up play inside. Um, what was so Larry Triplett? Larry Triplett was a lot like him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Larry actually was able to get upfield a little bit. I'd need to see see a little bit more upfield from Omar yeah. Khan, but clearly, you know, this this is a guy that's only going to get bigger, faster, stronger. So you know, see see what the future holds for him. And then, uh, and then, interestingly enough, this was one that didn't necessarily come out of left field more than maybe the timing of it did. Um, this is a guy that I think most of us expected him to eventually commit. I believe you even put a crystal ball in for him. But uh, this is another kid that Washington got from St. John Bosco in linebacker Kamori House. Tell us a little bit about Kamori House. Yeah, well, I, you know, Chris, I don't put in a lot of crystal ball. predictions and this was one because especially when like i could have put crystal balls in for all the guys that we got commitments from or the washington got commitments from right i i could have i could have put in crystal balls for all those guys but i don't do that when i get a sure thing kind of a i don't usually do that i let the kid have their their moment and and everything like that kamori house i did not have any inside knowledge on other than he told me that he was really loving the University of Washington when he didn't commit to Texas. I think we went over this on our last podcast when he didn't commit to Texas or boost them up or maybe cancel his visit to the University of Washington. I was like, OK, I think he's going to the University of Washington. That's when I put in the crystal ball prediction and it ended up coming true, thankfully. <laughs> so I didn't didn't have egg on my face. But uh, 6'1", 205 pounds can run, um, has great instincts. He's always around the ball. Um, Washington, um, actually, uh, he did a workout for Washington, and it sounds like he did so well that they even thought he could play some safety at t- different times, maybe be, be a uh, nickel safety or, uh, or a, you know, a guy who can cover uh, backs out of the backfield pretty easily and things like that. He's got that, that, just, that quick twitch that you just don't see in a lot of li- – as good as linebackers are and as athletic as they are um, – he might even be a little more athletic than a lot of the linebackers that are out there. His problem is his size. He's just not very big. And he's a guy that, uh, you know, I, I compared Devin Bryant to um, Keyshawn Bieria. And I think Kamori House is a lot like Keyshawn Bieria. And you remember when Keyshawn Bieria committed to the University of Washington, I remember Sark saying that he is a spread killer. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Kamori House and Devin Bryant are guys who can cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time. And those are guys who can come from a different side of the field and still cover guys and and make plays on either side of the field. And I think that's that's a big draw for him. A lot of schools came after him late, Texas, Tennessee. But this was a Texas-Washington head-to-head battle, and Washington had done such a good job. William Inge, I'll tell you what. He is an underrated recruiter. He just grinds and grinds and grinds, and he has a great way of developing a relationship with a recruit. Everybody, even Kamar Matuti and uh, Devin Williams, who are likely headed to Oregon, both of those guys said the biggest reason they're interested in the University of Washington was because of their relationship with uh, William Inge. And I think people need to give that guy some credit with the way he builds, um, with the way he builds stuff with with uh recruits because he does a really good job of that 
Yeah, and a couple things I would add on House is that, you know, first of all, you mentioned Devin Bryant. Devin Bryant is a Bosco kid. Mm-hmm. So having a Bosco kid here on campus, official visit the whole bit, Bosco kid talking to another Bosco kid, they can keep it straight. They know what they're talking about. They're coming from the same background. I think that was super valuable. I don't think I don't think Kamari House is coming to Washington because of Devin Bryant, but I don't think it hurt at all. No, it did not at all. one of those guys in the fold already. Other thing that I thought was interesting is that, you know, you look at his offer list on spec, and it's one of the more interesting offer lists that you may ever see. See, you mentioned Texas, who got the other official visit from him. So Washington, Texas is offered. He's gotten offers from Auburn, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Tennessee, but yet USC and UCLA didn't offer him. Yeah, Why aren't weird. the local Pac-12 schools offering a guy like Kamari House? What we need to do is uh, offer context as to why. The reason why USC and UCLA held off, and I'm saying held off because I think they would have offered once they got a chance to see him uh, put a lot more work in during the season, he didn't start. Yeah, he wasn't and he a missed a couple, Boston. and he missed a couple games too because he was, of, he was behind uh, Devin Bryant. Yeah. He was behind all these other guys. Because at Bosco, they just—they're a football factory, man. They're you're just talking about reloading, yeah. You just talking about reloading. Yeah. yeah, and so so what happened was is that a lot of these schools from outside are thinking, man, we can get this guy. Um, not so much on the cheap is a bad way of putting it, but they can get in on a guy like this without maybe the local schools paying that much attention because they're not going to want to jump in for an unproven product. Whereas a lot of these outside schools. And I'm including Washington in that, as well as Oregon, Oregon State, a lot of the other Pac-12 teams are looking at an opportunity. Maybe they can steal one right out, right out of SC's backyard or UCLA's backyard. And that's exactly kind of what happened already here. So I thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic and in play with Kamari House. Um, next commitment, an interesting one, because he just got bumped up to four stars by 24-7 sports. And that is an edge player from Peoria Centennial in Arizona by the name of Noah Carter. And it's an interesting thing. For some reason, in the last couple of years, Washington has gone into Arizona. And I think Scott Huff has a, uh, a role to play in this because he recruits Arizona really hard. Mm-hmm. And he's made a lot of inroads here in the, in the last few years. But you look at Braylon Trice, you look at Lance Holdsclaw, there's something about edge players in Arizona that just makes sense for Washington. And maybe you can help us make sense of, of why you think Noah Carter is a good fit at Washington. Well, and they also brought in another Arizona edge the, that yes. same weekend, too. And that was Deshaun Warner. He and actually came in, I think, a little before that. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it was the same group, kind of. And, you know, they overlapped yeah. with each other. But, yeah. you, you know, Noah Carter, 6'3", 225. Uh, he's out of Centennial. You talk about, again, a powerhouse program within the state that it re- exists. And that is Centennial. You know, Noah Carter uh, can come off the edge. He is dynamic as a pass rusher. Um, just can get off the edge, really bend, has long arms, can get after the quarterback. Uh, said that Washington was just the place that he wanted to be. Um, and and really liked how Washington used uh, the edges and, and the way they did different things. I think Braylon Trice played a role in his in his commitment as well. So uh, a guy that Washington had um, in their sights for a little while took their time uh, developing a relationship with him. Eric Schmidt approaches recruiting a lot like William Inge does. They, he doesn't offer right away, but once he makes that offer to you. You know it's special because he's developed that relationship with you. He's gotten a a really a good idea of who you are and how you fit into Washington's system and, and who you are as a person and a player. Uh, he talks to your family, gets to know all those people. You make an offer, and then it mean, it's really means something to these kids. So then when, when they get up to the University of Washington, they've already got all this other stuff that backs up why they are interested in Washington, and then you show them how great Washington is and all the facilities and all the ways they support their, their players and all the things you can do with NIL once you get in the system and everything like that. I think that really kind of sold him. And, and, you know, he turned down some other pretty big schools that he visited as well. And it was really down to Noah Carter and Deshaun Warner and Noah Carter made his decision. Deshaun Warner will make his on Saturday. And I guess you you know, people should pay attention to it, but we're not really going to pay that close attention to it because 
he's probably not going to the University of Washington because they were only going to take one of those two. They they knew they had Kirks in the boat, which just happened, um, even though it happened like 10 days ago. It actually just happened uh, publicly uh, today. They already knew they had Kirks. They already knew they and then they got uh, Carter and Warner just probably doesn't have a spot. And I think if Washington brings in another guy, it'll be a guy like Keona, Keona Wilhite out of um, South Point Catholic. Obviously, Elijah Rushing, you hold a spot for him no matter what. But he's probably not coming to the University of Washington, even though I think there's a chance he might visit later. But Keona Wilhite is a guy I think that if Washington uh, stays on him, he's committed to Arizona currently. He took a visit last weekend, and uh, uh, he said he loved it, uh, the trip, but, but he's still committed to Arizona. But he kept adding for now. So, you know, whatever. But back to Noah, but back to Noah Carter. He's the second uh, edge in the class, and I think Eric Schmidt is going to stand pat and see what happens with some of these other top guys that they have on the list. Elijah Rushing and Keona Wilhite are probably the top two guys. Yeah, and and he went to Louisville. That was the other um, yep. that was the other trip that he took, which is really kind of I don't want to say it's odd, but to have that be the only other one that he visited, you know, it is weird. <laughs> well, especially since he he has offers from the in-state schools. Yep. He also had an offer from Pete Kwiatkowski at Texas. Mm-hmm. So, which is interesting because you look at him, you look at Kamori House. I'm wondering if Washington and Texas are going to start to be in on some of the same same defensive guys. I don't know if there is going to be a budding thing happening there because I'm not sure that that's something that I saw happening. Mm-hmm. And so, who knows? I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with that because that's. That's just kind of one of those side stories that you just maybe file back in the back of your head just to kind of pay it a little bit of attention to. But you don't give it you don't pay it too much mind. Um, But moving on from from Noah Carter, it it was a few hours later in the afternoon. They picked up a commitment from a kid down in the um, kind of between and just south of Orange County, Carlsbad, not quite San Diego, Um, a kid who's another one of those. You could put him in the hybrid category on the defensive line. He's considered a defensive lineman. I I think he's going to grow into one. But at 6'4", 260, tell us a little bit about Ratumana Bulabalavu. You know, like you said, 6'4", 260. And we said this on the last podcast, Chris. Neither of us had ever heard of Army-Navy Academy. Um, That's true. Still you know, really haven't. Yeah, I know. Um, but, uh, you know, a kid who – posted over 20 sacks as a as a uh, junior I think uh, yeah over the last two years I think it's over 30 sacks um, but the one thing to remember is they don't play against the greatest competition in the world and the way high school stats are taken is really arbitrary with the way they they make decisions so if a quarterback was running an option right and didn't pitch it and he was tackled in the backfield we all count that as a tackle for loss right Chris yes but some high schools count that, hey, the quarterback had the ball, that's a sack. Some high schools do that. Not all of them, but some do. So I don't know exactly how they keep track of that stuff. 20 sacks seems like a lot. You know, 20 to 25 sacks seems like a lot. I remember Jeremiah Martin, didn't he have like 30 his senior year or something ridiculous like that? There's yeah, no I'm, way There's no way you're getting 30 sacks in a season. There's and just I'm no just way. I'm just wondering if you know I look at I, just the look of him when you see his profile picture. Yeah. You find out he's got a little bit of rugby background. You see his height mm-hmm. and weight. You see all these different things. Am I wrong to think that there's some Leatu Latu vibes going on here? Oh, I definitely had those when I saw him play. Yeah, definitely. And uh, but Chris, I think he's got the frame to be 310 easy in college he's gonna put on 50 pounds no problem he's got that that uh he's got that wide base and everything like that he's gonna be a three tech maybe even a maybe even a nose tackle at washington once he once he puts on some size and and some muscle and some and and learns technique because the kid is very very raw he just doesn't have a he gets by on athleticism and sheer ability right now and and uh motor and and i think washington targeted him early um, I remember uh, talking to somebody and they said, I think Washington's going to get him. And, and uh, from the very beginning, this is before anybody else had offered. And yeah. then when they all came in, I texted that person again. You still th- feel the same way. And this person said, Washington has done a great job with with uh, they call him Mana. I mean, it's yeah. easier than Ratu Mana Bulabalavu. So I'm really looking forward to those Tony Castricone calls. 
you know, in about yeah. four or five years or, you know, three or four years when when he's being a mainstay and and he's just going to call him Mana uh, because it's just much easier. But uh, really good player um, just now tapping, tapping into that that skill set that he that he brings to the table. And I think he's a guy that Washington is, is Washington fans are going to be really happy with, but they're going to forget about him. The only way you won't forget about him is his name. But, um, True. you know, but he'll he'll the, wash, lock him in a weight room for two years and get him with um, Allie. Uh, I, I, can, I can never pronounce her last name, but the, the nutritionist and, and the way they, they give him the nutrition and get him in the weight room and with McKeefery and everything like that. He's going to come out. He'll hit the field when he's a 290, 290 pound monster and he'll be able to just blow people up inside, get some pass rush for you as well. He can do a lot of different things for you. And just to let people know, he took visits, official visits to Washington, Arizona, and Oregon State. Over half the Pac-12 offered him. But the offer that I always look for when you're looking at defensive linemen is Utah. And did Utah offer this kid? Yes, they did. So whenever Utah offers a defensive lineman, I'm thinking, yeah, that's money tight in my end, book. Tight ends and e- defensive linemen, those are kind of the guys, right? Yeah. And and now that Dan Lanning's at Oregon and you've got a guy with a, with a huge defensive pedigree, you start to look and see, okay, did did Oregon offer one of these guys? Now, Oregon offers a ton of kids, so it's it's hard to necessarily gauge what the relative scale is. But both Oregon and Utah offered uh, Mana, Bulabala. Mm-hmm. So that's yep. just something to consider. Um, and then finally, at the end of the day, Last but certainly not least, and and arguably one of the most important parts uh, of this particular class that's being built, is they got their quarterback. They ha- we Washington they thought they got their quarterback the first time around when they just went down the street to Garfield High School on 23rd and picked up EJ Kamenong, but that didn't work out. Uh, Kamenong's now committed to Cal. Congratulations to him for that. Um, that's hopefully that works out for him. I think that could be a great fit. Um, but Washington picked up Demarcus Davis from the Inland Empire in uh, Etiwanda in Rancho Cucamonga, which is kind of San Bernardino-ish, that, that part of the world. Uh, 6'4", 190 pounds. Tell the people a little bit about Demarcus Davis and what you expect to see out of him. Yeah, they call him Marmar. If people want to know what his uh, nickname is, it's Marmar. Uh, just See, now that just gives me Jar Jar Binks vibes. Yeah, well, I remember uh, I texted somebody and I'm like, hey, have you heard anything about him? And he says, yeah, Marmar's committing to Washington tomorrow. And I'm like, who the hell is Marmar? <laughs> and, and it's either like, Jar Jar or Marmar. Yeah, and neither like, one of them are like particularly positive, yeah. but it is what it is. <laughs> well, anyway, his name, they, he goes by Marmar. But, uh, I call him Demarcus Davis is uh, how he told me to pronounce it. So Take it for what it's worth. Anyway, 6'4", 190, can run around a little bit. He's a pass-first guy, though. That When I talked to him, that was the main thing that he made clear was, I am not a, a runner. I'm an athletic passer, is what he called himself. And he just said, I like to throw the ball. My job is to get the ball out to the wide receivers and running backs and tight ends and let them do their thing. And and he he doesn't want to. I mean, he I'm, I'm sure he'd love to throw for four thousand yards, but he doesn't have to be that guy. He just wants to make sure he runs the offense well. And 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 he, he said, I believe in a good running game, too. And, and I'm not going to be a guy who's going to be disappointed because I'm not throwing it 50 times a game. You know, he most offenses, especially Washington's, is going to throw it about 40 times a game. When you say that's a rough estimate about how many times Washington throws the ball. It'll be yeah. about 40 times a game. Yeah, roughly, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're at what they they're between 70 and 80 play offensive plays per game, and um, Washington's going to throw it around 40 to 45 times, probably in that range, and they're going to run it 30 to 35 times, right in that range. So, you know, I mean, he doesn't really care about throwing for 5,000 yards and all that different stuff. He just wants to throw the ball around, have good receivers, and he said he really liked the wide receivers that Washington already had in the system and then guys that he's going to be able to grow with in, in Jason Robinson and justice Williams. So um, yeah, he's, he's a guy who really, he's only started one year at Etiwanda and um, he threw for like 30, I want to say like 3,200 yards, something like that. I don't have his stats in front of me and threw for like 30 touchdowns. But most people said if he had started for another year, if he had started as a sophomore, 
um, then he probably would have had a lot more offers than he had. Um, Washington, though, was the school that really impressed him when when he was able to come in and and see what they were able to do with Mike Penix. Um, Ryan Grubb did a really good job of recruiting him. Nick Sheridan did a really good job of recruiting him, and so did DeBoer. Because those are the ones who really work with the quarterbacks. Nick Sheridan is a tight ends coach, but he's the one who calls in the plays. And so he's the one, you know, or, you know, uh, Grubb calls the play and Sheridan is the one who's dealing, but he's up in the box. Sheridan is the one who's dealing with the quarterback down on the field and he's the one working with him. And and Nick Sheridan is eventually going to be a quarterback coach, either at the University of Washington or or somewhere else. But he he loves to work with quarterbacks. He's doing a tight end work and he's doing a pretty good job with them as well. But, you know, I think those three, DeBoer, Grubb, Sheridan, those guys all were able to get in with him and show him the love and show him why Washington was where he needed to be. And he's not a guy who – that's the nice thing about him is I don't think he's a guy who comes in and expects to start right away. I think he's he's a guy who wants to want the opportunity to start, but he knows he's going to have to battle with Dylan Morris and Austin Mack next year. And then after Dylan Morris graduates, it's going to be Austin Mack and either a portal guy or another – high schooler that's hopefully another four star for Washington. So um, definitely um, a guy who's ready to come in and compete, but he isn't expecting anything to be handed to him. And and that's really what you want out of your quarterback. Yeah. And just to remind people too, is that when Kalen DeBoer left Indiana to go be the head coach at Fresno state, the guy that took his job over at Indiana was Nick Sheridan. So yep. there's a through line there and it makes a lot of sense that they would want to get him connected as well, because he's, he does have that kind of experience and has that kind of resume. Uh, just to remind people, too, in terms of um, Demarcus Davis, he had, you know, when you when we talk about, you know, Utah offering defensive linemen or tight ends and some of the other, you know, schools that you look for in the footprint recruiting to specific positions. Now, with Jonathan Smith at Oregon State and them recruiting similar quarterbacks like Aiden Childs, for instance, last year was a kid that Washington offered. And I know Washington really, really liked him. And he ended up signing with um, Oregon State because Washington got Austin Mack. Well, you look at Oregon State. Did they offer a guy like Demarcus Davis? Yeah, they did. You look at Arizona with Jed Fish and his experience with quarterbacks, his experience with offenses. Did he offer a guy like Demarcus Davis? Yeah, he did. And so there's definitely some those are the other two schools he took official visits to, by the way. Um, And so, you know, you look at some of these things, they start to pan out. You, you kind of wonder, OK, why isn't UCLA? Why isn't USC offering? Because they've shown, you know, you look at DTR, UCLA, you look at Caleb Williams at SC, they're athletic guys, but they're past first guys. You know, why weren't they looking at a guy like Demarcus Davis? I think you spelled it out completely, Scott, is that they just he just played only that one year. If he had been more of a multi-year starter had had maybe bigger numbers or had made a bigger. And he didn't splash. hit the camp circuit either, Chris. He didn't right. hit the camp circuit very much. Right. So, I mean, I think there's reasons to kind of suggest that I don't know if he was necessarily flying under the radar that much, but in terms of had he done enough to really get those those big homeschool offers, probably not at this point. But you put another year under his belt. Now, all of a sudden, you've got Lincoln Riley. You've got Chip Kelly probably paying big time attention to Mm -hmm. a guy like him. Yep. Um, The next day that Washington fans had to wait the next day until actually till the evening to be able to get the next commit. And this one was a really interesting one because it was on this kid's Instagram account on their live. And he had an interesting way of announcing his commitment. Did you happen to see it, Scott? I did not. I did not. I okay. just know he committed. Yeah. The, the prospect that I'm talking about is Elias Johnson from Jesuit high school in Portland, Jesuit big time school. Jackson Kirkland went there. Um, we talked about one of the other kids, the receiver, um, can't remember off the top of my head, but Jesuit's a big time program, maybe the biggest mm-hmm. one in Portland, them in Central Catholic, probably. Um, he had balloons for his three finalists. His three finalists were Washington, Oregon State and Washington State. And his way of announcing it was that he was going to prick the balloons of the teams he wasn't going to go to. So okay. Washington State was the first one. So he, there was like three or four balloons in a in a bundle, and so he started pricking the Washington State balloons. It was like Better make sure it doesn't accidentally pop. Jeez. Yeah. So but the yeah, but he's popping these balloons, and then so basically it's Washington, Oregon State, 
And then all of a sudden he just goes nuts and starts popping the Oregon State balloons. It's like, okay. <laughs> and everyone uh-huh. starts going crazy. And obviously he's picked Washington and all that stuff. So I, I thought that was an interesting way of doing it because I hadn't mm. seen that done before. That's but, dangerous, uh, Chris. Dangerous. Yeah. Well, because we know yeah, balloons can pop by it's all, themselves. Balloons yeah, it's can all, pop. It's all fun and games till you get an eye poked out. I yeah, exactly. Um, but tell us about Elias, 6'3", 175, cornerback. I mean, you've how can you not get Kevin King vibes out of a guy like Elias yeah. Johnson? Yeah, I, I, I do. And um, he isn't quite as quick twitch as Kevin King was, um, but you can't teach that size. 6'3", 170. Um, long arms. This is a this is going to be a regular feature on guys that, that that this coaching staff is looking for. They're looking for guys with long arms. And the last guy that we're going to talk about has very long arms as well. Um, but you know, six three one seventy hasn't really played that much football in his life. Uh, Mom wouldn't let him play until his freshman year, and that was COVID. And then his sophomore year, he basically backed up guys um, and only played special teams. And then last year was his first year as a starter, and he did really well. I think he had seven picks if I remember correctly. So um, he's just a guy who who's really good at playing, playing uh, defensive back. Um, Washington likes him as kind of a combo guy, could play safety, could play corner. Um, I see him eventually growing into a safety, becoming a safety. He's really a guy who, you know, I guess down at one of the camps, he, he really struggled in one-on-one, but part of that's because he doesn't understand technique. Um, and he's never really had technique coached to him um, other than just this last year. So, um, he's a guy who still needs a lot of work in that area, and, but he's got a lot of great physical tools. And I think safety could be a great fit for him, but I think the Husky coaches are willing to kind of see, hey, let's let's see what he looks like outside. And then if he doesn't fit outside, we think we could put him inside maybe at the Husky spot, like uh, Michelle Powell, because um, he's got that same build. Uh, Michelle Powell isn't 6'3". He's what, 6'1", 6'2", whatever he is. But, um, you yeah, know, same kind, of, same kind of build. I think he's probably better as an off-coverage guy, but he could do a lot of different things. Uh, you know, more like a zone would probably fit him. He's got the same kind of build as Keith Taylor. That's another guy that I that I kind of reckon reckon back to harkened back to when I when I watched his tape uh, looks a lot like Keith Taylor doesn't have the speed that Keith Taylor does, but kind of in that that bigger corner uh, system. But uh, yeah, a guy that Washington that was a guy that uh, Chris, I, I don't know if I told you this. I didn't tell a lot of people this uh, um, Ra- Mana and um, Johnson were two guys I wanted to put in a, um, crystal balls for. And I was talked out of it by um, some some other scouts. Uh, let's just put it that way. Mm, okay. And and so I was like, really? Okay. All right. Maybe not. And then they both committed. And I was, I'm so mad that I didn't put in crystal balls for those guys. But anyway, a uh, good pickup for Washington can be a versatile guy in their system. Got to go with your gut, Scott. Yeah, I do. Gotta go with your gut. Yeah, especially when it's as big as mine. <laughs> well, so. and hey, and a note to uh, ESPN on three and rivals. Get your act together and get this kid rated and ranked so that uh, there can be a composite score for him out yeah. there. It's uh, not a good reflection on you guys. You guys need to get going here. Do you think so, they care? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, we've already, you know, I don't want to exclude Packy Finau because Packy's he was the very, very first commit on yeah. all this group. And and he was a part of the uh, the last official visits. So I don't want to necessarily exclude Packy, but we're not going to. We've, we've already kind of broken down yeah. his commitment in earlier podcasts. Um, don't really need to go there too much. But there is one other guy that we do need to talk about, and he just made his commitment late Thursday night. And this was a big one. And you can tell this is also another guy that they really targeted heavily and really tried to get on early and often to try to make it, uh, to, to try to make it hard for him to refuse Washington. And that's a kid from uh, Van Nuys, Birmingham, down in Southern California. Athlete, 6'2", 170. He's going he's gonna to come in. He got recruited as a safety by the Huskies, and that's Peyton Waters. Tell us a little bit about Peyton, Scott. Well, you know, he's a guy that Washington targeted really early. Uh, he, he and Kirks are actually tied as the top two or the second highest rated guys in the class. Baki Finau is the number one guy um, at a 91.49. But uh, Peyton Waters and Kirks are both 89-33s. So uh, they're tied for kind of that second spot in Washington's class. Uh, long athlete, like a lot like Elias Johnson, but maybe a little more technically savvy and, and maybe a little more quick twitch than, than uh, Elias Johnson is. Um, 
you know, can play corner. He's being brought in as a DB. I think Washington has told him you could play anywhere in our secondary. We're going to find the best spot for you and where we need you the most. And that's what you're going to learn. But he could end up playing outside corner. He could play slot. He could play safety. He's he's going to be a guy who could play almost anywhere. Long arms uh, can run really well, has great ball skills. Um, Washington got in on him early. You, you know, Chris, you talked about UCLA and USC not offering Demarcus Davis. They did offer Peyton Waters, and they oh, wanted yeah. no, him. Peyton back. Waters was a known guy. Yeah, and he was UCLA's all the way up until Wednesday night. So something happened the way Washington recruited him. The their their talk to him, he was all about UCLA, and then he switched to Washington. So that was a, that was a great pickup. Good job recruiting by. I want to say uh, I, I know that Courtney Morgan ran point on a lot of the, a lot of his recruitment, but I want to say uh, Chuck Morrell and um, Juice Juice uh, did a really good job. Juice Brown did a really good job of recruiting him and getting him in the boat. Yeah, and and even though USC wasn't a big factor, they did offer. He this is one of those guys too that makes a June commitment, but he took all five of his official visits. This is a kid that's a true student athlete. He took this stuff extremely seriously. Because his final five that he took official visits to were Washington, Northwestern, Stanford, uh, UCLA, and Utah. And Utah is getting more of a reputation with their defensive backs. You, you look at Clark Phillips, for instance. He's kind of the one of the guys that helped kind of them break through in that regard. Um, Utah was definitely a player on this, like you said, UCLA all the way down to the final 48 hours. And then Stanford, with how they've done, they you know they're they're almost full right now. And they were still going guns blazing um, on on Peyton Waters to try to get him. So this was a huge one. Another one for the composite boys, four stars, stargazers. Got to be happy about that one, too. So um, overall, 12 commits so far. Not done yet. Uh, Just tell us uh, as we wrap this thing up, we're trying to keep it to an hour, guys. We want to keep it reasonable. (laughs) But uh, tell us what uh, Washington fans should expect in the coming weeks, because right now, now that the hard work's been done, the heavy lifting's been done, this is a time where maybe the Washington coaches can step back, spend a little time with their families and do but they're but recruiting's always twenty four seven, three sixty five nowadays. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, well, we didn't talk about Jericho Johnson. He's the number one guy on Washington's board. Basically as far as positions are concerned, he's the main guy that Washington, the number one guy that Washington has a great shot at. 6'4", 300-pound defensive tackle out of Armijo in Fairfield, California. Um, and he's got offers from everywhere. Any, basically anywhere that you can think of that loves defensive linemen, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, Michigan, all those schools have offered him. He was supposed to take a visit to Miami, canceled that visit, only took a visit to Washington. Washington, I think, is in a great spot to get him right now. He's not going to commit until December, though, Chris, at the earliest December. It might be even pushed out till February. So we'll have to see what happens with him. I think Washington did a really good job with him. Uh, another guy that took an official visit to Washington that we're waiting on is Ikenasio Tupo, an offensive lineman out of Palo Alto. 6'6", 290, fits that uh, uh, left tackle, right tackle kind of guy who could do either side um has that that great feet long arms all those different things that you're looking for we're waiting on him and uh i think washington is in a great spot to get him so we'll see what happens with him canon skidmore the long snapper i i mentioned it in my blog i think he's uh gonna commit to byu they actually came in with an offer washington did not give him an off did not give him an offer to take one right away they wanted him to walk on and then take a scholarship as soon as Jaden green left he decided to go with BYU is where it's sounding like things are going out one. Dante Carter out of uh, Texas. He's a West Coast kid that moved to Texas during COVID so that he could play football. 6'1", 175. He's a safety prospect. He's going to decide on July 8th. So that's a name to remember. I think Washington's still in this one, even though crystal balls are starting to come in for Dante Carter at, to Vanderbilt. I think Washington's in a really, really good spot to get him. The, he's best friends with Tybo Rogers. Those two are really good friends. And just and just to remind people and to let people know, he he's, he took four official visits. He took visits to Vanderbilt, Washington, Texas Tech, and Nebraska. Yeah, and so, Vanderbilt was the last one that he took. He went right correct. from Washington to Vanderbilt. Yeah, so, he literally did. He literally jumped a plane from Seattle to Nashville. 
Yeah. And then Deshaun Warner is a guy he's going to commit on. We've already kind of talked about him and, and Noah Carter. He committed on, or I'm sorry, he didn't commit. He visited on June 20th. He's going to make his decision on the 1st of July. So uh, tomorrow he's going to announce his decision. I think it's Kansas. And I think a big reason why is because Washington doesn't have a spot for him. That's a big reason why I think Kansas still was going to do pretty well with him. Uh, because he has a couple friends and teammates committed there. But um, I think Washington was in a good spot if they wanted him. But uh, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. And then lastly, we already talked about Kamar Motuti, Dylan Williams. We both think they're going to go to Oregon right now. I think if Washington continues to recruit those guys, they got they could get one, if not both, if they really wanted them. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Quasi Gilmer is the one that we're kind of wondering what's going to happen with him. He's a kid out of Sierra Canyon. My favorite receiver that I saw live this year, love what he can do, 6 to 180 pounds. Washington is in the market for one more one more wide receiver if they like if they like the guy enough and I know they like Quasi Gilmer. I know that they um you know have started to um you know have continued to recruit him. I saw some crystal balls if I remember correctly coming in for Gilmer. Uh, if I can remember one, well, UCLA, Greg Biggins just put one in the other day. Greg always has great information, so I'm not going to buck him, but I think Washington's in still, still recruiting him and, and doing pretty well. I think if Washington uh, continues to recruit him, he's another guy who they could get to flip late uh, in the process or at least have the opportunity to. So that's kind of wrapping up the visits um, as far as actually there's um, one more, one more guy that we need to talk about because there's literally it's, it's, he's ghosted everyone. Ashton Kikuna Hope. Uh, Lopes, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot him. Linebacker from basically um, Kamari House's teammate at Bosco. Linebacker. Yeah, and he's going to play a lot of safety for them this year because they're trying to get the best players on the field, and they already have. And I always forget it's a it's a hyphenated last name Kingston. Yeah, Viliama Yeah, yeah, that yeah. yeah. So they're 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 he's going to be the star. He and House are the two starters at uh, linebacker. So um, you know. K- Kakahuna uh, Lopes is going to be a guy who um, is going to play a little bit of linebacker, but he'll do more safety for them because of his his abilities as a tackler in space and everything like that. Washington is in a good shape with him as well. Sounds like it's down to Utah and Washington. Mom likes Washington. Kid likes Utah. We'll see who wins that battle. Usually with poly moms. We know how that works, Chris. Usually with poly moms, they end up winning. And uh, I think Washington's got a good chance at that one, but that one is not no sure bet by any stretch of the imagination. So um, that's kind of where things stand with him as visitor. As far as I, we want to wrap this up, Chris, I know um, as far as uh, the rest of the, the summer, there's a there's an open week in July toward the end of July when coaches can bring in official visitors. And you'll see a lot of camps happening and things like that where coaches are trying to get kids on campus. Uh, I think Michigan does a barbecue. Oregon does what they call Friday night lights. So does uh, Florida. I think Georgia does something too, but not every school does something. They like to let the coaches take some time. Washington is one of those schools that prefers to let their coaches have time with their families because it is a long six month grind between fall camp and signing day in February before the coaches get really any free time with their family. And so I think Washington um, that's a good plan for Washington to do some seven month grind, actually, uh, Washington to do. And so you won't see them bring in anybody unless something weird happens and they need to bring somebody in, but I don't see it happening. Um, and then August, starting August 1st through the end of August is, um, a dead period where coaches cannot have kids on campus and they cannot go out and visit kids. They can still call them. They can still do all those different things. They just can't have in-person meetings with, uh, players, and so Washington um, will just be able to turn their focus to fall camp. And then you'll see, I think, a few guys on campus for uh, Boise State. And we'll kind of see where things go with some of these other guys who haven't officially visited Washington yet. I think you could see some uh, unofficial, lots of unofficial visits, but a lot of official visitors during the season as we get into the season. Still is going to be a class about 18 to 22, somewhere in that range. I've, I've said 20 to 22, could see as little as 18, but uh, with 12 guys and likelihood of adding at least one more, so that makes 13. So that means there's only about five, six, seven spots available if you're really going about 20. So um, things are getting tight, and I think the coaches are going to start pressing some guys on, hey, you better get in the boat now or we're not going to be able to have a spot for you come December. 
Yeah, and I think we also have to assume that they have a scholarship or two in their back pockets for the portal, depending yep. on who leaves or if something changes. There's always sometimes there's a family situation. You just sometimes you just can't account for how things go. So that's why I think 18 to 22 sounds about right because it, you have to have you have to give yourself a little bit of leeway on something like that for sure when you're when you're putting together these kinds of rosters. So 12 commits right now, hard commits, four of them, four stars. I think Noah Carter's got a good chance to become a composite four-star. He's already a 24-7 sports four-star. Uh, Kamari House, I think, has an excellent chance to become a four-star when it's all said and done. Uh, Jamarcus Davis, we'll see what happens with him. Decker DeGraff, we'll see with him. I think those are the guys that are probably on the cusp. Um, and then you never know. And then obviously some of these guys could have monster seasons and uh, it could pick up a lot of recruiting momentum based on that too but scott man we went through it <laughs> we went through all uh, all 21 official visits uh we got a little bit of information i think on all of them and so uh fantastic job you get to take a little bit of a break now so yeah so right ahead, chris yeah go right. ahead and relax a little bit as much as you can yeah. and and we'll hit you up the next time around so even if recruiting uh, wasn't wasn't kind of slowing down a little bit i've got three kids chris there's oh, okay. no there's, and there's no always break. 20 25 to start worrying about too right? yeah Yep, everybody wants to know. There you go. So for Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs. Go dogs.